But in order to do that, you have to make sacrifices. So you can, I mean, we're talking nearly 10 years ago, so I couldn't always say, I have to leave now, I have to pick up my child. I felt the pressure to stay, otherwise it would impact my career. So I was really fortunate to have met a couple of great mums where we juggled pickups and drop-offs and without that support of those fellow parents, I don't think I would have been able to work my way up the career ladder like that. Welcome to Career Chronicles, Heartfelt Tales of Motherhood. I'm your host, Dr. Anjali Westwood, a coach, an academic, and a birth worker, also known as the Mums Coach. In this podcast, we explore the intersection of career and motherhood through the personal journeys of mums. Thank you, Liam, for joining me on season two of uh, my podcast, which is Career Chronicles, Heartfelt Tales of Motherhood. I'm so happy to have you here. You're my third guest this season, which is amazing. And um, I can't wait to hear everything that you have to say about uh, what we're going to be talking today. So let's start off with a quick introduction. Sure. So I'm Leanne McGuire. Um, I'm a communications manager in my paid job for a tech and digital agency. Um, but I'd also do a lot of volunteering on top of that. So I'm also chairperson of Glasgow City Parents Group. I'm the Glasgow rep for the National Parent Forum of Scotland. And I do another few little things like I'm a high school mentor for a charity. And I've just joined a... Um, play therapy charity as a trustee on their board so uh, I'm one of those people that like to keep busy. It's lovely I I think I resonate with you a lot Um, there's some some there's a little bit of joy in doing a lot of little things. Um, Absolutely Um, what's that saying about um, if you're sitting for too long I can't mind it about your brain being idle or something I'm definitely not that for sure. Although I do still find the time the odd Saturday to binge watch Netflix and stay in my bed all day. Awesome. So let's start with uh, the question I ask all my uh, guests, which is, what's your story? <laughs> That's such a big question. Um, right. Okay. So let me try and give you it in a nutshell. Um, I grew up in Airdrie. Um, I am the youngest of four, three big brothers. So I like to think that that taught me resilience, certainly, in a man's world. Um, Taught me how to kind of stick up for myself and uh, challenge those above me and and boys. Um, I grew up in a house where, unfortunately, I lost both my parents quite young. Lost my dad when I was eight to a car accident, so me and my mum became very close. My mum is the biggest influence in my life in terms of who I am as a person, who I am as a mother. Um, she passed away when I was 18. So I very had to I had to grow up very quickly in life. Um, fell pregnant when I was 26. My daughter's now 17. Again, another huge learning curve. Single parent. Um, and my daughter's father's quite an absent father. So I've kind of done it all myself. And... Earlier on, when before my daughter was born, I jumped around a lot with my career. I will admit that. I had not a care in the world. My biggest concern was, where is my next pair of shoes coming from? That's what I spent all my money on. 
But thankfully, having a child made me more responsible, gave me a reason to get up and go out and earn a living. And I like to think that since she was born in 2007, I have worked my socks off to get to where I am now and to have the fortunate um, the fortunate time to hold all those kind of uh, titles that I relayed off in my introduction. So that's my life in a nutshell. It sounds a bit more simplistic, I suppose, when I say it that way, but there's been plenty of ups and downs throughout that. So thank you for sharing that. And how did you get involved with the Glasgow City Parents? Like, how, where did that come from, the parents group? Yeah, so obviously like that, I had one child, one and only child, and um, didn't quite know what I was doing. So when she started school, um, particularly because we lived in a different city, I grew up in Airdrie, a smaller town where everybody knew everyone. Um, you could almost predict what school life was going to be and who was going to be there. Um, switch forward to us living in a big city, school life's very different, as you can imagine. So I, um, when my daughter started school in primary one, I remembered back to when I was at school and my mum used to be involved in parents' stuff. I don't think it was called a parent council. I just knew that my mum was always up at the school for things. She took part in events. So I thought, I want to do that because I feel like my mum knew what was going on in my school life and was connected to my school life through doing that. So I sought out the parent council of my daughter's school, joined them when she was in primary one. I have now been on parent councils for almost 14 years. And that's where Glasgow City Parents Group came from then because six years ago, ago, Glasgow City Council put a call out that they wanted to have a city-wide group, so a kind of city-wide parent council. And given, obviously, my introduction and I like being busy, I, of course, jumped forward and said, I'll do that. Um, And that's what I've been doing. It was a bit of a hard slog at first. Nobody was really interested in what was happening at city level. Parents were more interested in their local school level. Um, And then the one silver lining that came out of COVID was parents all of a sudden, parents and carers all of a sudden were a bit more attuned to their child's education more interested, more engaged. And so the, that silver lining was that Glasgow City Parents Group gad, gathered a larger audience, a lot more engagement, and we really started to make a bit of an impact in education, not only in Glasgow, but, but nationally. And and that's that journey, that's where I ended up on that group. That has been a roller coaster in itself and has given me so many skills that I've been able to use in all other aspects of my life. That sounds really brilliant. Uh, I'll come to that. Um, I, want, I want to go a bit more into the work you do there. But just going back a second, um, as a single parent, what were the challenges that you faced? Because you had parents all around you being part of these parent councils. <laughs> What were the challenges you faced that were different, you and other single parents faced that were different, which from a societal standpoint, we forget sometimes because there's an assumption of dual parent households uh, in everything. Yeah, I mean, probably the, the kind of two biggest challenges when my daughter was younger was obviously childcare. 
and uh, financial stability. So, like I said, when my daughter was born, um, up until then, I'd kind of jumped from job to job. I had qualifications, but I just never seemed to take anything seriously. So when I went back to work, I started as an administrator for a window cleaning company, and it was purely out of necessity. It was part-time. It was close by to my daughter's nursery. She got a place in. Um, so it worked out for hours. Paid okay, it wasn't particularly great. And I worked there for five years. Up until I would say my daughter was at least nine or 10, we lived in poverty. I mean, I didn't necessarily go around broadcasting that and I don't really think probably looking in on us, you would think we lived in poverty um, because I was quite private and quite proud about it. But that was hard. And and I was always really honest with my daughter about it too. Um, like if she was asking for extra money, I'd, I'd be honest and say I don't have that. And there was times where we were literally hand down the back of the couch looking for change to get a bag of rice for dinner. Um, and then on top of that, you're trying to you're trying to slowly advance your career and trying to get a better job, trying to advance your skills to pull yourself and your child out of poverty. But then you are the sole caregiver. So if your child is ill, it's you that the nursery calls. If there is something at the school, it's you that they call. If the school is closed for a day or the nursery's closed, you have to manage that. And I didn't have a family network around me in Glasgow either. So one um, plus point of being involved in the kind of parent council side of things at school was I did start to develop a, a close network of two or three parents that did help me out. And likewise, where I could, I helped them. So if I couldn't get back from working time, because I did eventually go into a full-time job and I've obviously kind of worked my way up the career ladder. But in order to do that, you have to make sacrifices. So you can't, I mean, we're talking nearly 10 years ago, so I couldn't always say, I have to leave now, I have to pick up my child. I felt the pressure to stay, otherwise it would impact my career. So I was really fortunate to have met a couple of great mums where we juggled pickups and drop-offs and... Without that support of those fellow parents, I don't think I would have been able to work my way up the career ladder like that. It's It goes back to that old saying, doesn't it, that it takes a village to raise a child. But a lot of mums don't, uh, even couples, don't have that village anymore because, nope. you know, very few of us live near our family you know we travel for work and also the nature of work has changed so when um people say oh yeah it takes a village to raise a child my question is where is that village like you know how do we find that village yeah and it it takes a while to build those relationships so when i say i had parents help me it wasn't a case of like hi i'm leanne how are you can you pick my daughter up tomorrow yeah (laughs) um that takes a while to build that relationship with someone and to get to a point where you feel comfortable enough to ask quite often you wait till you're offered um so that didn't happen I would say probably until about my daughter was in primary three like those first couple of primary school years were really tough because on top of that as well as rushing back to the school to pick her up you were rushing off to after school activities 
and then working full time and then getting home at night, having to do all the housework, the cooking, laundry, etc. So as a single parent, yeah, I mean, I definitely throughout all those younger years often dreamt of having a, a partner to share the load with. And, um, you know, one of the things you mentioned, which is even today a big area of debate, is childcare. Um, you know, we know the petitions and uh, we know the fight that Pregnant and Screwed's been uh, campaigning for. And so have you seen a difference between how childcare situation was in 2007 to now in real terms? Are parents having it any better now? Is it... What's your view on that? Because you have a long view on this. Yeah, I I actually don't think it's improved that much. I mean, obviously the introduction of the the free hours um, that that's a big improvement. You didn't have that at the time, but it's the same challenges. Um, it's flexibility. I mean, my work I worked nine to five. So trying to get from Glasgow city centre to the south side in time for my daughter's childcare closing at 10 to 6, that was always a challenge. It was like the most stressful journey of the day. Um, And that still happens. Even in my my voluntary group, I still hear from parents who get chastised for being late or even fined for being late for pickup. Um, I, I can't imagine what it must feel like if you work shift. Mm-hmm. So again, when, when my daughter was younger, that played a big part in the jobs that I selected to apply for, because then you have to think, do I have childcare to accommodate this as well? Um, I think the availability, I that might have improved somewhat, but there, I still hear from parents again that they can't get into certain councils in their area, particularly their local area, because that's, that's the biggest help is if you can get um, if you can get a nursery or childcare beside either your work or your home for that that kind of travel, then that makes life a bit easier, of course. And I feel like I'm still hearing those challenges now. We still had those challenges back then. Um, I remember the one thing that drove me nuts was in Glasgow. I can't remember if they still do it, but certainly for primary one, they do a bit of a transition, so you don't go in for like nine till three for like your first week. It was something like nine till 12.30. That's an absolute headache in terms of childcare. So I did um, I did t- get a child minder who would pick my daughter up because the after school childcare wouldn't do the kind of half day collection. And so I was like, what, what am I supposed to do? Um, ultimately the child minder didn't work out. I didn't think it was appropriate and we, we won't get into that. But that was an absolute headache because it was only for those two weeks. Yeah. Um, so things that seem processes to organisations like a council or a private nursery or a school that seem quite straightforward, that seem for the benefit of the child, can be an absolute headache for parents in terms of childcare and trying to manage those priorities. Yeah. And this is very... Um, I look at things from a more systemic angle um, and when I've been speaking to parents and I've been looking into issues like this, it is, we can't look at a very linear solution because there is no linear solution to this, right? 
as there are some people online who say, oh, moms just shouldn't work. And I'm like, that's not a solution. That's, you know, that's going back. And um, I don't even want to get into that argument. But, yeah. you know, that's not a solution. But who, what can change? Now, when I look at it, this might be a very naive view, but I think the factor that is changeable is work, the flexibility yeah. at work is one thing that in my naive view is a changeable factor or it's a variable we can't say kids need to stay at childcare till seven in the evening that's mm-hmm. not fair on anyone including the child yeah but a lot of workplaces shudder at the thought of flexibility i'm not saying all of them there are yeah. some excellent workplaces why is it taking so long for workplaces to adapt? In yeah, your... and, and I agree with what you've just said there, Anjali, that the work side of it is the easier side to try and solve. So flexibility is key. There is no, um, no one's set of circumstances are going to be identical. So no size fits all. Um, yeah, I think with the, the pandemic came um, a lot more flexibility for some employers. However, we're starting to see though, even some of those employers creep back into what they did pre-pandemic. And certainly as I've gone through my career and when my daughter was younger and more reliant on me, I definitely felt a form of discrimination. I mean, I would go for interviews where the question would be asked, do you have a support system around you? I mean, that's code for... Do you have a babysitter so that you're not going to have to run off every time the child's ill or um, you get a call from the school? And stuff like that still happens, um, which cracks me up because in actual fact, when you think about it, parents are probably um, more loyal in terms of your workforce because they have caring responsibilities and financial responsibilities that they cannot walk away from. Um, so you're less likely to have a parent leave a job, even if it's like the worst job in the world. They still need to provide food, shelter for their child and everything. Um, I, th- I think we just still live in that stereotypical world, unfortunately. It is changing and it is getting better. But when we continue to have policies like our maternity leave outweighs our paternity leave, we're still pushing women into that um, number one caring role. It's, it's their sole responsibility. So we need to start looking at how can we balance this out a bit more? Because I'm sure there are some dads out there that want to take over uh, as being the primary caregiver as well. But even if you think about that, I'm sure there's still stay-at-home dads that still get a bit of grief for doing that. And it's, it's a cultural change that, that we need to adapt. Um, so it's not just workplace, it's cultural. We need to stop thinking of women as the primary caregivers. They should be at home looking after the kids and men should be out working. Um, that might work for some families. There's nothing wrong with that if the family's all happy and that's fine. Like I'm not like a staunch feminist here saying no, no, no. But we have to just understand that every family is unique and whatever works for them works for them. So there just needs to be a bit more of a balance in options rather than it being heavily weighted in the one direction, which I feel is what still happens at the moment. 
It is. And in fact, um, I was reading the Fatherhood Institute's post today on their update based on the petition that they had sent to the government for the six-week paternity leave. And uh, as expected, it isn't very positive. Um, and it, it's just, it goes back to what you said about if we keep pushing parents in the angle of women being the primary caregiver and men being the secondary caregiver, it's damaging to both. People sometimes think it, it's only so that women can go back to work. It's not. It's so that fathers can spend time with their kids. You know, there are dads who want to do it but there is um assumption that this is just women saying no i don't want to do it and that one-sided view can be very damaging to both sides of the partnership not just to one so hopefully um the fatherhood institute campaign goes better but going back to what we were talking about you know the attitude of people at work and culturally as well could there also be an element of mistrust that if I give someone flexible work or if I let someone choose options, they are going to take me for granted or not work? Or Because I'm still trying to kind of demystify why the flexibility is such a big problem. Yeah, I think it is coming from um, probably... I would think that the people that are making these decisions, they have worked in a different time. And I don't mean that as in like the dinosaur. Like a different time was five years ago. Workplaces were pretty different. But thankfully, because of the pandemic, we have shown that there is a different way of working and that we can be flexible. Um, I do feel that industry still uh, perpetrates that myth of if you work from home, you're in your pyjamas, lying under your duvet, just swiping to make sure that your team stays lit green kind of thing. Um, employers need to start coming from a place of trust of their employees. That's the whole point of interviewing someone. You go through, you pick the right person for the job. You think they're the right person for the job, so put your trust in them. Obviously, if that trust is broken and it is found that that person is not using the flexible working um, in the way it should be, then you deal with that. But I think the majority of people who are looking for flexible hours, hybrid working, working from home, it's because they want to be as good as an employee as they possibly can. And they're trying to juggle home life, caring responsibilities and work without it impacting their productivity across any of those areas, rather than an easy life. And I think the ones that are after an easy life, like you will you will sniff them out very quickly. But the, the modern day that we live in, the technology that we have at our fingertips, we should be using all of these tools. And it's not just about being inclusive to mothers. Flexible working is actually really inclusive to all sorts of employees. Um, in my work, we talk a lot around inclusion and um, being inclusive to neurodivergent employees, etc. Um, so flexible working um, is beneficial to many different employees as well, not just working parents. Um, and the sooner that more organisations come from that viewpoint, the better. Uh, I hands down agree with that and uh, you know uh, I have a hidden disability myself and I know how much for me flexible work is a lifesaver 
and um, like you said, there are multiple types of people um, who can work because of flexible working. And that's something that we need to keep in mind because otherwise we there is a risk that we go back to a time where unless you fit in a box, you can't be a successful person. Absolutely. I mean, human beings are all unique. This, yeah. is, this is the main thing. Whether we're talking about childcare, whether we're talking about who cares, who's the primary carer for children or employees, we are all unique. That's what makes us human. And so we don't all fit neatly into little boxes. So we need to make sure that there is flexibility there so that we're not trying to squeeze people into boxes that they don't quite fit in and then they become miserable and then they're not great parents or they're not great employees and life is just stressful. And then before you know it, they're, they're burnt out or they're having a breakdown. Yeah. Um, and that, or that could have been resolved with just a wee bit of flexibility. Mm. No, definitely. So I know we are almost to the end of our session. I had uh, two quest- two questions left. One was, um, you know, in because though my podcast is open to everyone, there might be someone from Glasgow listening in or from nearby areas. Um, just, you know, if they wanted to get in touch with the Parents' Council group, how do they do it? How can they get in touch with you? What's the process yep. like? Yeah, so just first of all, uh, I would highly recommend parents get involved in parents' councils in their school. There's so many benefits that don't really have much time to get into it at all, but one, it increases your social circle in school, even as a parent, so it's great for that aspect. And it also keeps you informed about education in general. You feel more empowered. Um, So if you want to get involved in your parent council, even if it's not in Glasgow, if it's anywhere else in the country, um, you just ask the school. Ask the school if they've got an active one, can they put you in touch with them? And then you reach out to the parent council and start attending the meetings. Um, In Glasgow, certainly you can reach out to Glasgow City Parents Group and we can support you in trying to link in with your parent council. Or if any parents, not just in Glasgow, across Scotland, want any advice on education, that's what I'm here for as well. You can reach out to me through our social channels and happy to help. Um, one thing I would say is education is a minefield at first when you start picking it apart. My best advice is when you go to these meetings or you get involved, stick with it. You won't have a clue what they're talking about at first, but stick with it and you will definitely reap the benefits you and your child from being involved and having your voice as a parent heard at education. It's so important. Thank you so much. I'm sure that's going to be useful to a lot of people who listen uh, to this. And my last question is, being a parent for so many years now, if there's one piece of advice or a golden nugget to a parent who's listening, they might be pregnant with their first child or they might have a few kids, what would that be? Um, right, so my approach, I suppose, from a very young age with my child is just always be honest and realistic. Um, I've never been one of these parents that talks to my daughter about the boogeyman or um, makes up a little white lie to cover up for something. Obviously, I make it age appropriate, whatever it is I'm communicating with her about. 
but I've always just tried to be honest. So, like, when I think back to those times when we did live in poverty and my daughter would maybe be pestering me for the latest gadget or toy, yeah, I could lie to her and go, I can't, I can't get it this week because I'm busy or can't get it this week, the shop's sold out. That lie is only going to stretch for so long and then she'll be back at you again. Whereas if I was honest with her and turned around and said, I'm really sorry, I'm not able to buy you that just now because I don't have the money for it. But when I do, we'll have a look at it then and I'll consider it. That, that shuts that conversation down, doesn't it? Because then your daughter understands the main reason. And so, yeah, that's my main piece of advice. No matter the age of your child, just always be honest and realistic with them. That's lovely because I think that also um, what you just said, it will inculcate a very strong value for money, which I think is something everyone should have. Uh, adults as well. I've seen a lot of adults who don't. So, um, <laughs> yeah. But I think value for money, value for time is if we can have the next generation who have that in them, that would be brilliant. Yeah. And just realistic that you don't have a golden money tree at the bottom of your garden, even though we wish. <laughs> that, that was amazing. Thank you so much for this conversation. Uh, you know, there's, there's so many things I wanted to ask more. And I think if I would have done that, we would have probably ended up talking for a lot longer. Mm. But um, I, I've loved having you here. I'll put the links to um, the City Parents group and to yeah. LinkedIn and all of that in the chat, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah, of course. So if someone needs, they can access it. But um, yeah, otherwise, thank you so much for speaking with me today. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. you for tuning in for this session. Please follow me, The Mums Coach, on Instagram or Facebook for regular updates and more content about career and motherhood. I would be grateful if you could review this podcast on Spotify. Lastly, if you would like to be a guest on this podcast to share your heartfelt tales of motherhood, you can write to me at coaching at anjaliraj.w.com or contact me through my socials. The email address and the social links are in the description. Have a lovely day.